This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. The anniversary of Nat Turner's Rebellion is upon us. It took place August the 21st through the 23rd, 1831. During that very short period, Nat Turner was able to get a lot of slaves to join his insurrection, and they were able to kill maybe a hundred people. Fifty-five or sixty-five people were then executed by militia and by mobs, including Nat Turner. The story goes that he was a preacher. He already knew how to read and write, and he was considered a, a valuable slave who was sold two or three times during his life. If you read the Styron version of Confessions of Nat Turner, which was won a Pulitzer Prize, I believe, in 1968, it tells you something about slavery that you might not have thought of. And that is that people rented out their slaves. They didn't just work them all the time on the same plantation. If they suddenly had a downtime or if it rained or for some reason they couldn't uh, work their slaves all day, then they would rent them out to other people to do whatever odd jobs other people may have wanted. And uh, slave owners made money that way even when they didn't have something on their own plantation for the slaves to do. They literally rented them out. They were gig workers, except that they didn't get paid at all. And Nat Turner was one of those, according to the book by William Styron. The important thing about Nat Turner, though, was that he was regarded highly by other black people in Southampton County, Virginia, in 1831. He was a preacher, and he was called the prophet, I guess because he was so erudite. He had some notions that he was supposed to do something very important. One of those omens that came to him was that he saw a solar eclipse. And a lot of people back in those days thought, thought that the omens came from the skies, you know, and the solar eclipse was, was uh, seen as significant, a significant omen for people to do. Nat Turner was such a good preacher that he actually had one white man in his uh, congregation that seemed to think that Nat Turner was an exceptionally good preacher who helped the man give up a life of sin. So he had some stature among the people there at that time. And he wasn't just uh, seen as uh, uh, just a foolish person. He was seen as an important person. He took it upon himself to start a slave insurrection and to start killing white people. He was hanged on November the 11th in Jerusalem, Virginia. After they hanged him, they flayed him. In other words, they skinned him and made purses 
out of his skin to sell to people for souvenirs. The What I'm leading up to is saying that there was a tremendous reaction in 1831 to Nat Turner's rebellion. The slave owners all over the South knew about it. They were terrified about it. They knew that they lived in an area where there were more black people than there were white people in many areas. And they depended on the notion that slaves would never uh, stand up for themselves. And so when Nat Turner did stand up for themself, himself and when he did take up arms against his white oppressors, it had a profound effect on all of the white oppressors throughout the South. Another sad thing that is revealed in William Styron's version, and, and is probably true, is that when Nat Turner was defeated at a neighboring plantation, he wasn't just defeated by white people with guns. They used their own slaves, they armed their own slaves to fight against Nat Turner and his rebels. So in those days, we get the wrong picture if we think all the slaves were together in being uh, in yearning for freedom and wanting to help each other. And we get the wrong impression if we think that there were no slaves who did want to fight, who did want to fight, and, uh, and who did not seek freedom. So there were both both the ones that were with Nat Turner and killing the white oppressors and those black people who joined the white oppressors in fighting against Nat Turner. So there's a lot to be learned from studying this thing. The most important thing about Nat Turner's rebellion was probably the suppression. The local militia and three companies of artillery were joined by detachments of men from two ships, two United States warships that were anchored in Norfolk. And they had militias from counties in Virginia and North Carolina surrounding the area where Nat Turner's rebellion had taken place. The state executed 56 black people and militias killed at least 100 more. I'm getting this from Wikipedia. Another estimate was that 120 blacks were killed, most of whom were not involved with the rebellion. They also sold some people out of the area uh, just to get rid of them because they thought they might have gotten some ideas about rebellion. The rumors quickly spread that the slave revolt was not limited to Southampton and that it had spread as far south as Alabama. Fears led to reports in North Carolina that armies of enslaved people were seen on highways and that they had burned and massacred the white inhabitants of Wilmington, North Carolina and were marching on the state capitol. Such fear and alarm led to whites attacking blacks throughout the South with flimsy cause. The editor of the Richmond newspaper described the scene as the slaughter of many blacks without trial 
and under circumstances of great barbarity. The white violence against black people continued two weeks after the rebellion had been suppressed and they eventually ordered people to stop the killing. The whites were, were terrified. And this didn't just, just go on during 1831. It, it remained. The states in the South began to pass more and more repressive laws and more and more uh, ways that white people could extend their domination over black people. According to Wikipedia, white militias and mobs attacked blacks in the area, killing an estimated 200 men, women, and children, and that's in a neighboring state. During the rebellion, Virginia legislators targeted free blacks with a colonization bill, which allowed new funding to remove them to Africa, and a police bill that denied free blacks trials by jury and made any free blacks convicted of a crime subject to sale into slavery and relocation. So they passed all kinds of laws to try to avoid the next rebellion. And they lived in fear. This is one of the things we don't think about so much when we see the pictures of people in the South with their white hats, you know, and their tall horses and, and uh, their drawls and accents. And they all seem to be so happy. The kind of people that were pictured in the very, very misleading book about Scarlett O'Hara, who supposedly was uh, deprived of her great life by the Civil War. So they didn't live like that at all. They lived in fear. They lived in fear and in, I think, a secret shame because of the slavery that they had perpetrated. And this went on until the Civil War. And at the time of the Civil War, even then, there were people on all sides living in the North and all sides living in the South. According to Wikipedia, the fear caused by Nat Turner's insurrections and the concerns raised in the emancipation debates that followed resulted in politicians and writers responding by defining slavery as a, quote, positive good. Southern writers began to promote a paternalistic ideal of improved Christian treatment of slaves in order to avoid such rebellions. They told people that they were civilizing the black people and that they were helping them. And they wrote books on it, but they very definitely were promoting the idea that things were not bad in the South, even though they knew they were, and they were living in fear, not just of Nat Turner, but of every black person. And that carries over to today. People wonder why some white people go to such extremes to prosecute and persecute black people. And I think that Nat Turner's rebellion makes it very clear what motivates these white racists. It's fear. They're afraid. This is Gene Lance.
on the Workers Beat Extra.